welcome to The Synthesis On Air, a podcast from the 2022 cohort of the American Journal of Public Health Student Think Tank. Hi, this is Clara. And this is Summer. And welcome to the first episode of our podcast, The Synthesis On Air, where we give student perspectives on the most pressing public health topics of today. For our first episode, we brought in the man, the myth, the legend, Dr. Alfredo Morabia. You might know him as the editor-in-chief of the American Journal of Public Health or as the moderator of the American Public Health Association State of the Public Health Union Address, or you may even have had him as a professor at Columbia University or at the City University of New York. To get to know us better, we had Dr. Morabia come in to interview us and let us talk about who we are and what we have planned. Enjoy! So, good morning, everybody. Look how I'm happy. I'm here with the think tank. You know, that's uh, uh, one of the greatest things that happened since uh, I've been editor-in-chief of the American Journal of Public Health. When I started in 2015, I thought, you know, I need a vision of this world, you know, of society, of where we're going in public health. That is not from my generation, but from younger generation, the people who are going to do public health, to build it, to uh, develop it at the stage that uh, it has never been before. And I've asked, and this was in my contract, to have a think tank, you know, a group of students who would advise me, will be very independent, Thomas, my advisors not uh, the, the other way around. And this was accepted by the American Public Health Association. So you are the 2022 think tank, student think tank, and you're absolutely fabulous like the other were. I have to say that uh, it's been uh, quite an experience for me to see how bright and uh, energetic and passionate, you know, the these young uh, student think tank people have been. So let's, you know, get into it. Who are you? Hi, my name is Tiana Ellis, and I go to the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Hi, everyone. My name is Clara Harb, and I go to Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm Anthony Wynn, and I attend Columbia University in New York, New York. Hey, everyone. My name is John Swen, and I go to Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore, Maryland. Hello, my name is Louisa Vahady, and I go to Washington University in St. Louis. Hi, my name is Summer Woolsey, and I attend the University of Nebraska Medical Center in Omaha, Nebraska. So, you know, there's something that currently upsets me a, a lot, you know. And look at, look at in my back, you know, there is the, the cover of, uh, and uh, you, you know, because you chose it, uh, of, of the May issue, and there is Allison... Barry, she's a, a county health officer, and uh, in order to do her job, she needs to be accompanied by the sheriff because she's threatened in her job, you know. And uh, we know that there have been a lot of assaults, violence, attacks, you know, verbal attacks against health officers and about public health people who are trying to do their job in order to fight this pandemic. And, and I know it exists, but I get upset when people think that it's a dominant uh, state of mind in America, because I think it's only a small minority, very loud, 
very vocal, very aggressive minority. But most of America, you know, the very large majority, voted with their arms. They got the vaccine. They showed that they trust, actually, public health. So my question to you and uh, is, what's your feeling? Is there really a huge backlash against public health or not? I'd like to know what's your perception about this. So this is John. I'll get us started. I think for me, from my perception, I am compelled to wonder what is the source of the backlash. And I genuinely think it's that most people don't know what public health is about, what public health does, how it benefits society and its, its purpose for society. And so I think um, the backlash then stems from not only that ignorance, but also from this position of, because I don't know who you are, I don't know if I can trust you telling me how to live my life if you don't know the context of my life. So public health to me is intended to structure society in a way to benefit the population, but most people do not know that. I definitely agree with you, John. I think from my perspective, it's more of a global question because that's what I'm studying. And um, the point you bring up about we don't know who you are, we don't trust you, you don't know my life is huge in, in public health and in the global sphere. And I think a lot of that comes from how public health has been practiced in the past, where it has been forceful and kind of targeted at different groups and not the most transparent field. So to me, bringing it back to what it means to me, public health is truly for the people. And if the people are left out of the conversation, if we don't engage them and figure out what exactly is scaring them or what exactly has them thinking the way they do, then I really think that we're not doing the most that we can in the field. This is summer. So one thing I, I did want to respond to that is, you know, sure, we are seeing in the media some of this backlash, but what we're not seeing is that public health programs are gaining record levels of enrollment. More and more people of a younger generation are going into public health because of COVID. They see the value in that. So for me, I think it's, like you said, it's silent, but it's it's definitely um, something that I think is gaining momentum in a good way. And a good shift is, you know, the younger generation is watching and they're responding in that way too public health functions in the background so much. And when public health is going well and doing its job well, we don't see it. And I think that's what has been part of the problem with COVID right now is that it's kind of in their face, all of our public health stuff, but then it becomes the norm because it's how we structure society for the good of the health of the population. So something like seatbelts, people hated those. They absolutely hated seatbelts at first when they were told that they had to wear them. But now it's such a commonplace thing. And now you can even get ticketed for not wearing a seatbelt. But people don't even realize that this was a huge public health initiative. So we do these things to structure society in a safer way that's better for the health of the population. And then it moves to the background. So people don't even know that public health is always happening around them. Well, in this context, I would really like to know what motivated you uh, to go into public health. Was it was it COVID nineteen, or, or was it before that that uh, you had you found some reason to go in the field? So for me, I have a clinical background in audiology, so I was working in the clinic actually at Columbia. For me, it was in my 
encountering a lot of social determinants of health that I did not know how to address, particularly when I was working in the Medicaid clinic. And I didn't have the language then. I didn't know it was called social determinants of health. I didn't understand the underlying concepts because in my clinical training, we didn't talk about public health. But in my gut, I felt like there was some social factors that needed to be addressed, but I wasn't trained clinically to address them. And so that's when I started exploring public health because I happen to have close friends who have gone through MPH training. So that was my entryway. It was just from my experience working in the clinic. And I understand that. I mean, uh, social factor are the population level and only public health can address them. That's absolutely right. That's what motivated me to go into public health. I'll answer the question of what got me interested in public health. I've always been interested in health, um, analysis related to health, interventions related to health. But I think I realized um, early on for me as an individual, my mind is very oriented at the population level because the level of inference and interventions that um, one thinks about or conceptualizes at the population level is very different from the individual level. And when you talk about patterning of social determinants of health at a population level, why they are the way that they are, um, it's not random. And so public health um, expands one's purview of the types of knowledge that you know, one would need to invest in to understand the full scope of the picture and the structures and ideologies um, that that create that, that type of patterning. So, you know, poverty, the, the patterning of poverty is not random, um, both within a country and between countries. So just trying to understand more of that population level and how those population level determinants impact the individual um, and when there's differences between the individual level and the population level. I for sure share very similar sentiments as uh, as John as well as uh, you too, um, Dr. Moravia. So, you know, I have always had an interest to go into medicine and um, and kind of taking a detour from that, you know, I remember just taking public health courses or whenever I was, you know, volunteering in a clinic or something like that. And I was meeting different patients and talking to different individuals. And then, you know, similar to what John said, you kind of start to recognize these like social patterns, right. That kind of resulted in certain health outcomes. And I didn't have the language for that either, you know? And then after when I was taking public health courses at Berkeley and everything, that's when I kind of saw public health as this thing that just made sense. You know, in terms of how we approach health, in terms of, you know, in terms of what equity and justice can do, you know, as a prerequisite to building a world that is healthier. But can you just uh, each of you tell me briefly if you're going to be in a scholar, a university, a, a public health officer or, you know, in practice or you're going to go to the private sector or an NGO? Just briefly, John. So for me, I for years was targeting academia, but slowly as I do community-based research, I find myself wanting to be out in the community more. So I see myself in either the NGO sectors or foundations and specifically trying to connect members of the public to the science that's being published. So through science communication initiatives and whatnot. Uh, so that's, that's where I see myself. Diana just got a job at the University of Richmond in Virginia, and I'm going to be an assistant professor in the health studies department. So that is my immediate trajectory right now. And I've already talked to them about getting involved with some community groups that work with food insecurity 
security in the area. So those are my two things that I really want to do is work with the next generation of public health students and get engaged with the community. Clara. Yeah, so um, I currently work in the private slash nonprofit sector, um, but I really do see myself expanding on that. I would like to stay in this sector. I really enjoy it, but I do find conversations come out of teaching. So I, if I become a professor, I'll just do like an adjunct role or something like that. I, I don't really want to be a full professor, but I'm very enthusiastic about getting other future generations into the field and pushing them to find the passion that I have. Anthony. Yeah. So, you know, if I were to just close my eyes and just use my imagination a little bit in terms of where I picture myself and where I want to be in the future, I really would love to be um, I would love to go into medicine. I would love to be um, a physician, uh, primarily working with um, adolescents and teens um, at within safety net settings, hopefully under a local health jurisdiction, uh, while also on the side being a part of academia, whether it be teaching or research. Luisa. My, uh, my dream would be to lead a social epi research lab um, where I'm fo- I would be focused on developing um, further methods in line with theory on causal inference, but also mentoring the next generation of women scholars. I feel very passionate about that. Um, and bringing the issues of gender and violence at the center of public health and writing the next chapter of this social epi textbook on gender, because I think that that's missing in there. So that's the that's the million dollar question. I'm about to graduate and I am grappling. (laughs) I'm grappling with this question right now. Um, So for me, I, I love research, but I also really love practice. And I I guess the best way to answer this is I don't want to choose between either. I would like to do both. Now what that looks like, I'm not totally sure. That's for me to find out, but we'll see. Absolutely. And I mean, uh, your experiences will open doors and open perspectives and uh, it's, it, you, you got to leave it open. But it's all very interesting to see uh, how you are uh, viewing the future and, and really public health needs you enormously. But uh, I've been told that you talk about each other and you have these kinds of superlatives when you talk about each other, you know, he's like that or he's like that, etc. Can you share those superlatives with me? Because I'm very curious to know what you tell about each other. You don't tell it me. So based on what I know about Luisa's area of interest and her work, I would give her the superlative that she is most likely to be recruited by the WHO. Oh, right. So you'll go to Geneva, Luisa. I can Perfect. get some addresses there. <laughs> so um, I'll go next. I'm very happy and proud to announce that uh, Anthony will be or is most likely to start a health promotion program featuring the arts for adolescent populations. Wow. And that's... Then- that's- yeah, that's a nice marriage between uh, all of my multiple interests. Um, and then kind of what we've been talking about before, and honestly, based on Clara's interests and also her writing this great tribute piece to the late uh, Paul Far- Farmer, you know, Claire, I would say, is most likely to become the next director of Partners in Health. It's <laughs> great. Well, I'm glad I know all these people. So what else? What else do I know? While we're talking about big shoes to fill, 
um, given we mentioned Dr. Paul Farmer, Johns is most likely to become the next editor of AJPH. <laughs> John, when do you want to start? <laughs> I'm looking to graduate next year, so let's talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The position is 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 to be taken whenever there are you know people like you ready. It's it's open. That's that's rare to to happen to know one of his successors. That's very rare. Based on Tiana's personality and her charisma, we voted that Tiana is most likely to become the Bill Nye of public health. <laughs> Diana, Bill Nye. I think it's great. Those are big shoes to fill too. So let's see if I can do it. <laughs> and then next summer. So we voted that summer is most likely to go off the grid and become a community organizer. She is so passionate about the community. And we just think that she would not only just go off and do it, but do a fabulous job at it. Ah, and so community organizer, may I add something to that, Summer? Then, then you'll be president. You'll be president of the United States. That's the way you do it. Look, Obama, community organizer, president. So it's, it's the first step, but you get... <laughs> what, do you, what do you always tell us? The imagination is the limit? <laughs> The limit is the imagination. The limit is the imagination there. Imagination. <laughs> now, I'd like uh, maybe to, to, to close with one last question that is maybe my personal interest and maybe also for people who listen. What brought you to apply uh, for the, to be a member of the think tank this year? What, what, what was the motivation? How did you hear about it? I can start. Um, for me, I had been emailing back and forth with my program about getting involved because there did not seem to be that many student organizations related to public health. And my, like the administrative advisor sent me an email and she was like, apply to this. And I was like, okay, cool. And it seemed very interesting in terms of increasing communication about public health and engaging students. So for me, that's kind of where, like I answered before, I see my career going and I have, you know, had such a great time, you know, helping to promote diversity and engagement on social media and things like that through the program. So that's, that was my inspiration and it really has lived up to the expectation I set. The funny little anecdote is I first learned about AJPH Think Tank through Twitter and it's the, the, the irony is I'm actually one of the ones now that also co-runs the Twitter account for the think tank. So it kind of comes full circle a little bit. But I wanted to get a little more involved within the broader APHA organization. I'm very involved with a gerontology organization, my clinical organization, but I've been working in public health um, and, and in public health scholarship, but I haven't really been engaged with APHA. But I'm also really um, interested in how do we disseminate knowledge? How do we disseminate uh, uh, new, new evidence? And so that's an opportunity to be right at AJPH and communicate with you was something that was just too enticing for me to not apply for. So, yeah, I, I got an email from APHA because I'm, I'm a regular member or so. And then I saw this opportunity to apply to this. And then as I was kind of looking through the application, I had very similar thoughts to what John was kind of mentioning was, you know, we kind of think about, you know, how is research disseminated? 
right? And I just thought it was a really good opportunity to maybe get a better sense of that in terms of, you know, how public health research is disseminated um, by being a part of something that, you know, is under the AJPH or so. So that kind of really motivated me to apply. And I took my chances and I submitted an application and here I am now. So, yeah. was similar to Anthony and seeing the email pop up. And I was like, ooh, what is this? Some way to get involved with the American Journal of Public Health. And I think that this was such a unique opportunity because I had seen other opportunities for getting involved with different sections of APHA, but nothing really related to research in a journal like this. So I hopped onto it and I was really hoping, you know, to get to meet you, Dr. Moravia. So this has been really cool because you just know so much and you have so much knowledge that you can pass on to us about journals and research and public health and the editing process. So it just seemed like a great opportunity that doesn't come around often. For me, I really wanted the opportunity of having the experience of taking research and translating it to the public. That is something I'm very passionate about and something that I want to do in the future. And I thought that this would be the perfect way to do it under the tutelage of the best public health journal in the nation. Yeah, I'll, I'll take us home here. Um, I received the email um, to, to apply. I think this was in December. And um, at that point, I'd been thinking about like, what are the the gaps in my own training. And when you train, you know, in, in a research specific field, some areas that maybe aren't as emphasized is translating research um, and applied research into practice. And a lot of public health research is applied. Um, so, you know, I, I saw this as an opportunity to uh, improve my own skills. And also I started um, my PhD uh, during a pandemic in 2020. So uh, I I was also, you know, very lonely. Let's keep it real. So I wanted to meet people, like-minded students, um, and we meet regularly to plan um, our content and our call for papers and developing friendships from students from ac across the country that I otherwise would never have met and our paths would not have crossed. So I'm grateful both for skill building and relationship building. Yeah, yeah that's very interesting because I, we received 150 applications. So that was a lot, but I, I go through the application and and yours inspired me. I mean, so that's why you were finally selected. And uh, and I have also, ten, I care about geographical diversity I, because there is a pressure to get, you know, everybody from the two coasts. So I, I really care about having a student that come from all over the country. So this is also a criterion, but your application were very inspiring. And that's it, they touched me and that's why you're here. So can we uh, close with you explaining to our public what are the plans for this year? So one of the plans that we have broadly speaking, is just to reach more students of public health and to really consider what are the strategies that speaks to the current generation of public health students. And so we won't give too much away right now because we want to you know, assess feasibility, but also uh, assess how we can really maximize this opportunity with the think tank. But the point is that we're looking to expand our reach so that even more public health students know about the AJPH think tank. You know, I, it's such a great pleasure to be able to, to, 
to you know interact with you and you're you sharing your lights and your vision and your enthusiasm it's uh the the ego transplant goes in the other direction i i get it from you and i'm i'm totally open to that and uh really thank you thank you for your role and uh for what you're going to do and thank you for inviting me to moderate this uh podcast i i loved it Thanks so much to Dr. Morabia for being with us on our podcast. Before he left, we had one more thing for him. We had him play a new game that we like to play called Public Health Around Us. So how it works is one of us will choose a random word and then the other one will try to connect it to public health. So let's see how he did. So the game is pick a random word and relate it back to public health. Your random word is water. Mine. Yes, just relate water back to public health. Yeah, I mean, I mean, water is the beginning and the end of public health. Thanks for tuning in. Check out our next episode coming soon. Make sure you keep an eye out for our newsletter, The Synthesis in Print. The May edition is looking really good. Follow us on Twitter and TikTok at AJPH Think Tank. Finally, here's Louisa with a special message for our upcoming call for papers. Think Tank member Louisa here with a special announcement. Are you a public health student? If yes, consider the following announcement. The American Journal of Public Health in collaboration with its student think tank invites public health students from all corners of the world to contribute their lived experiences, bold voices and perspectives on the framing of peace as a fundamental determinant of health. Submissions are due on July 27th before midnight Eastern time, and interested students can use the American Journal of Public Health online submission portal to submit their entries. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter or sign up for our monthly newsletter. Remember, submit. We want to hear from you. Relate bubblegum back to public health. I ah, am. Yeah. I mean, bubblegum are the end of public health. <laughs> <laughs>